beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. I'm Francis. And I'm Nubia. Today we are sitting with Andrew, aka Jet Set Drew, aka Mr. Urban Travel. Andrew was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. He's an engineer currently living in Costa Rica. Andrew has lived in the Philippines, Sweden, Iraq, and has traveled to 54 countries thus far. He is the founder of Urban Travel, booked unique trips, and indulged in wanderlust. Andrew considers himself pretty well-versed in travel and loves learning new cultures. It's what he lives for. Andrew, welcome to the show. Why, thank you, ladies. <laughs> hello, hello. Well, I got to so, put my deep voice on for this. Uh-oh, got the Barry on. Got that my, suave, suave my, thing going gotta on. Got to put the decibels in there. Got to put them in low decibels. So silly. You are a trip. <laughs> so, Andrew, tell our listeners... When did you get hit with the travel bug? Like, when did your journey start? Oh, well, okay. So I had been to a couple countries when I was a kid, but I don't really count that. Like, I went to the Bahamas when I was, like, 13 for a wedding. And then I went to Niagara Falls with a girlfriend in college. But I didn't really get the travel bug, quote, unquote, until 2011 when I moved overseas to the Philippines. Mm. Just moved to the Philippines? Yeah, like, how did you decide there? on the Philippines? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was more like a job opportunity. My my job said there was a position available in the Philippines and I basically just took it. I didn't I didn't know anything about the Philippines to be honest. I knew that it was like somewhere in Asia town, but I didn't know like what exactly it was. So I was just like, All right, cool, well, you know, it's it's supposed to have beaches and it's supposed to be fun. So I just packed up my stuff. Well, I didn't pack it. I had movers pack it. And then I uh, just moved to the Philippines. Um, 2011, November-ish time frame. And yeah, I was I lived there for two years. And I did a lot of awesome stuff. I met a lot of awesome people. And I pretty much just like partied like a rock star. I didn't save any money though. Like let let me just point that out. I saved zero <laughs> zero dollars for two years. Two years straight, I saved maybe maybe a thousand dollars in two years. So yeah, that's. But I, I got a lot. Of, I, got a, I got a lot of stories though. Like I promise, I got a, I got a lot. I of bet stories. you know sometimes it's more about the whole experience, and it's not really about the money. And sometimes you just need that for whatever time in your life, and maybe that's what you needed at the time. I feel like it was. Yeah. So did you know anyone else that was living abroad at all? Like any friends of friends no. or anything? So you just kind of like. No, no, no. I didn't, I didn't know anybody. I just, I just moved. And it was, it was kind of crazy because a lot of my friends from back home were like, wait, so you're just going to like pick up and go to the Philippines, like the other side of the world. Do you know anybody? I'm like, no. And they're like, do you, do you know anything about the Philippines? No. And they're like, you're just going to leave? Yes. And just, that's what I'm going to do because 
I mean, I'm from Baltimore, and for those of you that don't know, Baltimore is kind of a, it's a little bit of a rough city, and um, I just wanted to, to see something different and just, you know, kind of go out on a limb and just try something completely, completely new. So I just went. I knew I had a job, and I knew that I had somewhere to stay when I came out there. So as far as I'm concerned, that's really all I needed to know, and I just went for it. So that's what's up, because work actually took you abroad. That is correct. All right. That makes it a little bit different because you have that stability. I think a lot of people are afraid to make the leap to move abroad unless they have a job that's full time or something of that nature or some kind of like income. So for you, you did have that stability. I did. I did. Yeah, but. But some people even have that option, but don't even take it. The fact I think you, for you, it seemed like it was just time to really change the landscape. So you did two years in Philippines, didn't save any money except a thousand bucks. And maybe, you had fun. Maybe, you had fun. You had fun. You maybe had a, a thousand time. bucks. I might be, I, I'm probably being generous with that estimate, but let's just call it a thousand bucks for, for argument's sake. And, okay. uh, so yeah. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about the Philippines. What was the culture like, the people? How did you enjoy living there? Oh, man. The Philippines is awesome. And it's one of my favorite countries. I have nothing but good things to say about the Philippines. There are, you know, some obviously a lot of cultural differences and a lot of different ways of life that as a Westerner, you would not be prepared for. But it was awesome. So before I went to the Philippines, I went to like a language training, like a a quick, basically like a crash course intro to Tagalog, which is Filipino. And I remember the very first thing that my, my instructor taught me, she's like this sweet little like 60 or 70 year old tiny little she's probably about like five foot one you know maybe maybe 85 pounds soaking wet like cute little thing and the very first thing that she taught me was pasenshana and i'm like okay what's, what's that mean so pasenshana means like patience she was like yeah you really need to learn this phrase because in the philippines you're gonna need to have a lot of patience and i didn't really understand what she meant when she said that because at that point in time i had never been anywhere else i mean aside from you know the bahamas for like a cruise which you know how cruises are like you, you basically just jump off the boat for a few hours and then you get back on the boat so i didn't really get to see much of the bahamas anyway so i got to the philippines and i immediately saw what she meant when she said have you know patience because everything that you kind of expect in the u.s is just not what you're going to get in the philippines like no there's zero sense of urgency to do anything and it doesn't matter if it's pumping your gas or getting food or, you know, ordering a drink at a bar or even having friends come over. I mean, I'm sure all of us. It's so true. All of us know what CP time is, right? But like Filipino time, that's like a different, that's like a different level of CP time. No, nah, we talk about that. In Thailand, it's the same thing. I was going to say, yeah, I think yeah. it's all through Asia. I, uh, not Japan. Yeah. Well, yeah, not Japan, but yeah, in uh, Southeast, Thailand, Southeast it's Asia. like Southeast, Southeast Asia. Asia. Yeah, man, I tell you, I'll never forget. So just like when you said the gas thing, I rolled up, mind you, there's like four attendants and the guy's sitting and there's four gas stations and the guy all the way to the left side is just sitting down and it's free. But I wasn't sure if he was like working because he didn't gesture me to come get my, you know, get me uh, filled up. So I had to wait in line with the other guy who was pumping people's gas and he was just chilling. Yeah. So you just got to get used to that pace. You know yeah. what I mean? It's 
But I think it's a great thing because we're always just moving and moving and moving. And most of the world isn't really like that. No one's moving around like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. They don't, they do not, they do not lift a finger to, to move faster like you want them to. Like you're going to get what you're going to get and you can either choose to be happy with it or upset. And it's totally your prerogative, but it's, I've, I've found that living in the Philippines, it's better if you just choose to not be upset. I mean, and one, one thing I did learn, one important lesson that I learned in the Philippines is never ever go to a restaurant when you're hungry. You always go to the restaurant before you get hungry. <laughs> Because, Makes yeah, because if you, you know, if you, if you go there saying like, look, this one, you need to give me a cheeseburger, a large fry, give me a Coke, I want it now. You're not going to get it for like 30, 40 minutes, maybe an hour. They might forget. They might, they legit might forget that you ordered food and think that you were just sitting in the restaurant just to admire the scenery. So it's something that I had to learn how to do because every single day that I lived in the Philippines, I thought I was going to snap. And I thought that it was like, today's going to be the day. Somebody's got to die. Somebody's got to die. I don't know who it's going to be. Somebody's got to die. But That's how I am in Thailand. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> One day at a time. And other days I'm like, oh, I love it here. And then other days I'm like, Lord, can we just, can we just get it right once a month, please? Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. We're on the same page there. So what has your experience been traveling as a black man? Um, okay, that is a great question. I would say by and large and vastly large, it has been amazing. And the thing that I've learned or realized throughout all this traveling is that I've been treated way, way, way better in other countries than I have in my own country. And that, I mean, that says a lot because I mean, I don't, I don't know how deep we're going to get into this subject, but when it comes to I can go deep. I mean, how much time do you guys got? Like, what are we on? We're we on an hour? Because we, I can nah, talk on that. We're good. Listen. You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Okay, because I feel like living in the States, you're constantly reminded that you are black and you constantly have struggles because you are black. And if you try to explain it to anybody other than another black person, they will oftentimes question what happened or question why you think X, Y, and Z happened versus when I've lived overseas, which I've I've lived overseas since 2011. I get, I mean, I do, I do realize that I'm black, but for a different reason, because in other countries, I'm more admired because I'm black and I'm more cool because I'm black. And even in, I mean, I've I've had this conversation with many Europeans and my Swedish friends and my, you know, my Danish friends, they've all, not, I won't say all, but in many cases, they've just said like, you know, black people are the coolest people in the world. And if there weren't for black people, if it wasn't for black people, then this world would suck. And I agree wholeheartedly. And I can't really speak for 
African people because I'm not African, right? I was born in the in the United States. And our cultures are very, very different. But Black Americans specifically, I can speak to that because I'm a Black American. Black Americans specifically just have a way that we that we talk, a way that we carry ourselves, a way that we, you know, our, our sense of humor, our slang, our entertainment, our music, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we're changing the world in how they behave. And a lot of times they don't even realize that that what they're doing or saying comes from black American people and no discredit to black Africans. Of course, I have love for them as well, but I'm just specifically speaking about black Americans and we influence, we influence the world. So when I'm back in Baltimore or I mean, anywhere in the States, but definitely back in Baltimore, my hometown, when I see these young kids and, you know, they may or may not be doing the right thing, whatever the case may be. The point that I try to get, get across to them is that they represent something bigger than themselves. And it's very difficult for for them to kind of grasp what exactly that is because they've never been anywhere else. But for me, having been around the world and seeing how people react to me, I'm just like, you know, black people really, really, really are a huge, a huge contributor to worldwide trends, music, food, etc. Like I was in um I was in uh where was I? Micronesia? I think it was in, yeah, I was in Micronesia and this is a tiny tiny island in the uh Pacific Ocean, you know, southeast of the Philippines. And I was there just, you know, doing my job. I was I was driving in a taxi. I saw this kid walking by wearing a YMCMB hat. And I just at that moment I was just like, "Wow." I guarantee Lil Wayne does not even know Micronesia is a country, but yet there's a kid here wearing a YMCMB hat and just that sort of influence that's worldwide. Like people back in the States, like you just don't realize how big, how big we are. And I have friends in Baltimore that, um, that do music. I went to in the same place in Micronesia. I made a I made a mix CD, and this shows how long ago this was because I made a CD. But I made a mix <laughs> CD with <laughs> seriously, like I I swear to God, I made a mix CD, and I had one of my friends. His name is his name is uh, Jay Oliver. So follow him on Instagram or on Facebook, whatever. But he had a he had a few songs that he did, and I played them for the people in the bar, and they loved it. And I remember calling him years ago. He probably doesn't remember this, but I remember calling him and saying, like, listen, they are about to be playing your music for the next 20 years because they just don't get they don't get a lot of stuff out there. So when they heard that music and I was like, yeah, this is my friend. He does great music, blah, blah, blah. Black guy from the States. They were just all over it. And he will probably never go to uh, Micronesia in his life. But guaranteed people in Micronesia know who he is. So that to me just speaks volumes to, you know, just being a being a black man traveling overseas. So, yeah, by and large, I would say the experience has been very, very welcoming. And it's the reason why I have not lived in the States since 2011. Well, you know, uh, you've made a lot of valid points. And we actually hear that a lot from the Black men that we talk to, whether it's in passing or that we've interviewed on the show. They do have, they, they call it, they have a little bit of white privilege out here. You know, no one's checking for them. And, you know, when I, I lived in Japan for a little bit and they really have this, they love the culture. You know, a lot of them do. The music, everywhere. I was, I'll never forget, I was walking into the subway in Japan and they were playing some like trap music, you know, music that I haven't even heard. I, I'm like, who is this? It's really good. And you can hear all through the stations, like nonstop. It's black 
music. And so I feel like it's so important. That's why this podcast exists is because to, to really tell people, like, just take a moment to step outside the States and see how certain parts of the world really love us and just our culture. Be, yeah, because we don't get that growing up. I can say though, they really do appreciate the entertainment of black culture. Mm-hmm. Not always black people. Mm-hmm. Let's just be clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, remember when we was in um Hanoi, Vietnam mm-hmm. and the there. hostel guy had on the Snoop t shirt. Yeah. And he t-shirt. had on Converse. <laughs> He was adorable. He was a lot of fun. But yeah, it's so the point of the matter is that black culture permeates a of lot course. of places. And, you know, that we still have ways to go. However, it's just nice to not be, you know, no one's checking for us, you know? Yeah, totally. I've, I've actually been to Hanoi and I didn't have a good experience. I'm not going to get into that. I'm just saying that I could feel that the presence was not very welcome overall. I think it was feelings of the war and everything. But once they knew I was American, it's not because I was black. It was because I was American that I felt like they weren't really happy that I was there. And that's fine. Like, I get it. But Hanoi is not one of my favorite places. I've been there um, a handful of times, maybe. But I had much better reception in other places. Uh, I think Rome was another place that I didn't. Rome is racist. Rome is super, super. Italians are racist. I'm sorry. It's just how it is. I've been there and I went with a couple of college friends and we were literally rejected from a lot of places to coming in because we were black and they just didn't want us in there. So wow. I've heard that. I mean, I, I know that I know that Roman to that Roman. I know that Italian people like Italian men love black women, but the reception is not the same for black men. So and, and that's that's evidenced by their one of their famous footballers, the um the guy what's his name, Mario Bar- Bartelli or Bartoli or whatever his name is, you know, dark skin, dark skin black dude that has like a mohawk. He used to play for Italy and at the games, even though he's like their best player on the team, they would throw like bananas on the field and they would say racist chants. Yes. Yes. I don't think he plays for them anymore because he just said the racism was too much. But it's like they want him to win because he plays for their team. But at the same time, they harass him and they call him names and throw bananas on the field. And it's just like it's so surprising. It's like, really, is that what we're is that what we're doing right now? Like, it's it's stuff like that, like that type of, you know, just blatant, just completely unnecessary for no reason. Like he's done nothing to anybody except win football games. And the way that they think him is by throwing bananas on the field. So well, racism exists. It's a global thing. And we can't make it seem like it's just an American thing or, you know, whatever. It is real. Colorism is real, even within their own people. Yeah. But back to Hanoi, I agree. I mean, yeah. Hanoi was, uh, it was, it wasn't, they didn't the like folks too much or something. I don't know. We felt the same thing. Too really? Yeah. Yeah. But if you go to Ho Chi Minh, it's, it's a lot different. They don't pay you it's any different. mind. I don't think maybe, I'm mean, like, do they just not see enough? Is that what it is? Cause Ho Chi Minh, it's very, there's a lot of Westerners down there, but I don't know. They're just, I've never been to Ho Chi Minh, but I think that's indicative of no, I've never been to Ho Chi Minh. It's more cosmopolitan. Yeah. It's more jobs and stuff like that. I think it's indicative to being educated. It's the same thing with India. Mm-hmm. Same thing with any, a lot of these countries, actually. Certain places that don't have a lot of exposure to other cultures automatically deem us as inferior. 
Mm-hmm. Number one. That's why I was clear to say that, yeah, they enjoy us as an entertainment, but they don't really know anything about our culture outside of that. Mm-hmm. Like, they think probably every black person is a rapper and a basketball player. Oh, true. Totally, totally. So, to them, it's like, oh, okay. But other than that, we're not... You know, even in China, we can talk about this all through Asia. All through Asia. <laughs> China's a whole nother I've conversation. I've been to a lot of Asian countries, and I've it's been the... The same, not the same experience. It's been very similar, but I know when I was in, for example, like China, Japan, and even Thailand, a lot of people would see me and just right now what I'm doing while I'm sitting in my chair is like I'm motioning like I'm shooting, shooting a jump shot, right? So we all know what like a jump shot looks like. So people would look at me and they would make that motion. Like kind of, kind of asking like, do I play basketball? And it was the funniest thing, but it was also very, I mean, at the same time, it was insulting. But like I said, you can either choose to be insulted or you can choose to take it as endearment, whatever. But they used to do that a lot in in Japan and Taiwan. It was just interesting because that's how they, that's how they associated me. Like I had to be a basketball player. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't, I actually don't play basketball. I'm an engineer. And then they would just be puzzled. Like, wait a minute, you're black though. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like you can't be, you can't be smart. You gotta play, you gotta play a sport or something. So I was definitely breaking down barriers uh, around the world with that whole stereotype. But at the same time, I would much rather that than somebody discriminating against me, you know, in some sort of negative way or, you know, being pulled over by the police in the States and being harassed and things like that. Like I've, I've definitely been harassed by police in the U.S. and I've never had a single problem with police anywhere else in the world, only in America. Yeah. And I think that's the difference I was trying to make earlier is the fact that yes, it's not a utopia. However, you know, I would trade over being harassed by the police and you know, somebody doing jump shots, right. you know what I mean? Like the level of the intensity is just way different. And I chalk it up to just lack of education, if anything, just complete lack of education. So as you've been traveling, do you think that it's still important for black men to travel despite some of the stereotypes, despite some of the discomfort that you, you know, kind of experienced? I would say 100% black men should travel everywhere because it's just amazing how you get treated. People are just genuinely happy to have met you, to have had a conversation with you, to have dated you, anything. Like people just genuinely are impressed. And I I guess you could kind of look at it in a negative aspect in terms of, you know, they just look at you as a novelty or they look at you as a conquest or whatever. And that's all true as well. However, I feel like I would rather be looked at that way than to be looked at as less than a man or less than what I am. You know, if somebody wants to say, hey, like, I really want to be cool with you because you're black and I think you're awesome. I'll take that over somebody saying, I hate you because you're black. I mean, that's just me. So I just use that as an opportunity to break down barriers and bridge the connection between black people and the world. Like, I don't I don't look at myself as the black spokesperson, but a lot of people have asked me questions about the black perspective. And in many cases, I've found myself being, I kind of am the spokesperson in many places because uh, some places they've never even seen black people. So if I'm the first black person that they've ever seen, then of course they're going to ask me all their questions. You know, why do you do this? Why do you do that? I'm, I remember somebody asking me like, why do, why do black people love fried chicken? And I'm like, <laughs> show me, show me a race 
Show me a race of people that doesn't love fried chicken. Because Thai people and then they thought about it and they're like, fry some yeah. bomb fried chicken. <laughs> so does hey, Cambodia, yeah. Korea. Koreans. Oh my gosh, Koreans will fry the mess out of some fried <laughs> some chicken. Like everybody loves fried chicken. So when I said that, I was like, you, you show me somebody who doesn't love fried chicken. And they're like, oh yeah, I guess, you know, I, I guess everybody does love fried chicken. Exactly. But they said it to me because the stereotype is, you know, black people love fried chicken. No, everybody loves fried chicken because it's delicious. Exactly. Like that's, that's, that's it. But you know what? That goes back to a good point though. You are a representation of your people when you go to foreign lands, period, hands down. So being educated about where you're going, their culture, their food, their language, all of that stuff is super important because we are, you know, the minority. When we go into that country and because we are black Americans, all they see is your skin color. And then when you open your mouth, they're like, oh, you're American. So now you represent every black American, (laughs) you know? Yeah, totally. And that's just how it is. Totally, totally. Does that get annoying sometimes? Oh, um, for sure. I'm totally fine with it, you know what I mean? For me, because I just know it's just an educational standpoint. But does that get annoying to you? I mean, it totally gets annoying. I'm not going to lie. But as I said before, I'd rather live in a world where I'm annoyed because I'm the black spokesperson and they're curious about my culture versus being discriminated against or shot because I asked a question. Like, actually, as a matter of fact, I was just in Baltimore for the holidays. And long story short, I got kicked out of a bar because I challenged a white woman's privilege. And the way that I did that was I asked a question and I think she took offense because how how dare me as a black man question a white woman and it ultimately led to me being kicked out of a bar and I was not aggressive I was not disrespectful I was not I didn't do anything except ask the question and when I questioned this woman she then took offense and went to go get security and I got kicked out and I was just like wow and, and when my dad found out my dad found out about it and he's like Drew so you just you, you know better than that I'm like what because I asked a question you know you can't be asking stuff like that you know you know what you were doing yes I was was I was being a little bit facetious, sure, but should I be kicked out of a bar because I'm being a little bit smart? I mean, it was just, I couldn't believe it. I know my dad was worried because, as we all know, things will escalate very, very quickly in the U.S. Next thing you know, I mean, you get pulled over. There's, I mean, there's so many examples. I mean, look at Philando Castile, and he, he was pulled over, and he told the cop, yes, I have a gun. I have a licensed gun, but he was killed. So, you know, my dad was looking at it from the perspective of like, look, you essentially like, you know what you can and can't do. And you know that you shouldn't have been acting the way that you were acting. And I was just because I've been overseas for so long. I'm like, what kind of a world do we live in where I cannot ask a question without fear of being reprimanded or thrown out of a bar or much worse just for asking a question? So I I prefer to be in a place where... I can be free to say what I want, ask questions, challenge things, and not have to worry about being harassed or killed even. So that's that's why I stay overseas as much as I possibly can. Yeah, I know. We totally um, we get it. That's and as mothers of black boys. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. So tell us, why do you feel it's important for black men to travel? Because women dominate the travel industry. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. For sure. It's like, what do you think? I'm sorry. What do you think holds black men back from traveling? I think black men are just 
they don't they don't move quickly. They they don't move quickly on things. And then a lot of times I would say probably scared to to make that move or to see something different. But for me as a as an entrepreneur and everything like I, I have a travel company and I would definitely say my clientele is for sure dominated by black women. And I've seen some other travel groups, et cetera, you know, they they also have a large following of black women. And I think that's because number one, black women are the most educated demographic in the US. That's facts. So with the education comes good jobs and high paying salaries. So now now you have, you know, the money to be able to travel. And because black women have been so determined in life to succeed, now they're like, okay, I got money in my pocket. I'm determined. I want to see something different. Here's the opportunity. Let me go. Versus a lot of black men. And this is a complete generalization. I don't want anybody to take offense to this specifically. But in general, I would I would say that a lot of black men are kind of complacent where they are. And I think they look at traveling overseas as some really foreign, you know, no pun intended, but I mean, some really foreign idea and they just don't want to do it. Like I have, I have a friend in Baltimore that I just saw recently and he told me, this is a couple of years ago actually, but he told me that he had been to Miami like eight or nine times in the year. And this is when I was living in Sweden. I had been begging him to come out to Sweden, like, bro, you got to come out here. You got to see it, blah, blah, blah. And he always had an excuse as to why he couldn't come to Sweden, but he had been to Miami like eight or nine times. And, you know, everybody who's been to Miami knows Miami's not cheap. Miami is a place where you go to just like, you know, ball out, you go to, you know, you go to stunt, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, for that amount of money that you spent in those, you know, Miami eight times, you could have been to Sweden and just had a, an amazing time. And I think it was just the idea that it's overseas and I don't know, I don't know what to expect. So therefore I'm not going to go. But for some reason, black women just don't have that same fear. So I encourage as much as I possibly can. I encourage black men to travel, especially looking at my trips. I'm like, I show them pictures. I'm like, look, this is the trip that I just had. There were this many single, educated, good looking black women who are great candidates for dating, marriage, kids, etc. This is where you need to be. Like, if, if you're tired of wait, dealing wait, with people that aren't about are great candidates. Hey, I mean, it's. It's you got to you got to think about it in those terms like we're I'm 32 like you got to think about it in terms of like who's going to be a partner like you need you need to have a few candidates in mind like is this person going to provide X, Y and Z? Yes, no, maybe whatever. But I know on my trips, every single woman that is there is about her business and I'm damn near begging guys to go. And the guys that do go have a great time and, you know, everybody has a great time, but I don't have to beg women. Like when I post, when I post a trip when I post an advertisement for a trip, it's overwhelmingly black women and maybe, you know, a couple black men will trickle in and I'm still trying to figure out how to target black men. But for some reason, I haven't figured it out because if I did, I'd have more black men on my trips. Haven't figured it out yet, but for some reason it's difficult to get black men to travel. So definitely like myself and I know a few other guys, a few other black men. I think you had um my friend Brian on the show at some point in time and he's all over the place. Like he's he's definitely a guy that I can relate to because he does I mean he he's gonna do it on his own. Like he's not gonna wait for anybody else to go with him 
or to tell him that something's okay, like he's going to do it because that's what he wants to do. Yeah, and so let's put Brian on the spot right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Brian was featured on our Black Men Travels series, which is a blog series. Uh-huh. So for anyone who knows, Brian is beyond Baltimore. Brian is the epitome of a jet setter. Okay, this man gets up and goes. No questions asked. He probably won't even tell you. You'll just see it in a picture. Exactly. You'll be like, oh, shit. (laughs) When did you end up in Africa? (laughs) I told him that. And then they see, you know. Yeah, he's everywhere. So, Brian, if you're listening to this, we're ready to have you on the podcast. I need to get on the podcast with Brian because I already told this fool, like, listen, man, next time you go somewhere, let me know. Because, you know, like a lot of people are like, oh, you know, next time you go, blah, 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 like, I'm going I'm to come check you. No, he knows this about me. He knows that I travel just as much as he does. And if he just gives me the heads up, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there, then I would probably come check him. But like you said, I mean, he he will go anywhere without without letting anybody know. You'll just, you'll just see a picture and be like, oh, shit, I didn't even know. I didn't know he was there. <laughs> That's cool. But you know what? That's great, though, because we have to tell people, stop waiting on people. Hey everybody, what's going on? So we get tons of questions about the process of how we moved abroad and just people asking, how do we do it? Where do you start? And all of that good stuff. So we decided to put our resources together. We're hosting a live webinar this Thursday, February 28th, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we're going to answer all of your questions. You'll also get the opportunity to hear our stories and how we did the process of moving abroad. So you don't want to miss it. This is a great opportunity to really get some deep insight about the process. Yeah, so make sure to head over to chroniclesabroad.com and reserve your yeah, spot today. I tell people that all the time. You cannot. I remember the first time, this is actually before I started traveling a lot, but it was 2009 and I was planning to go to Dominican Republic. And, you know, I was planning a trip. A bunch of my friends were saying like, yeah, we want to go, we want to go. And they were like, okay, well, let's go to DR. Well, I said, let's go to the DR. And then they were like, oh, but you need a passport to go to the DR. So let's go somewhere else. This is back in the time before you need, before you needed a passport to go everywhere. At that time, you could still go to Puerto Rico without a passport. So I changed the trip from DR to Puerto Rico. I was like, okay, fine. We're going to go to Puerto Rico. Plan the trip for Puerto Rico and none of them go. None of them. So at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm not waiting. I'm no longer waiting for friends to do something. If I want to do something, I'm going to do it. I might tell them, I might mention it, but I'm not going to remind them and I'm not going to wait for them to go because if you do that, you're just, you're just not going to go. You're just, you're just going to keep on waiting forever. Yeah. That's a lot of people's stories. And we're just saying you just have to do the solo travel, whether it's in your backyard or you pick a country that's really easy to navigate and easy in quotes uh, for a solo person. So this is a great segue into your company, Urban Travel. So what is Urban Travel and how has your travel shaped what you're doing as an entrepreneur? Okay, so Urban Travel is a company that myself and a couple of my really, really close friends started. Uh, we started it back in 2015, meaning we got our, you know, we, we officially got the name, we got the trademark, and we, we opened the LLC in 2015. We didn't host our first trip until 2016, but basically it started from an idea that I had, uh, back when I was living in the Philippines. I, I forgot what I was doing. I think I actually, you know what? I rented an island with a couple friends and we had, we had a private island and I was just like in awe. And I was like, man, I would really, I would pay my own money 
to see somebody from where I'm from experience this. Like I would pay my own money to watch their faces and just see how amazed they are when they see what, what I'm seeing with my eyes. So I told that to my friends that I travel with a lot. You know, we, we've been traveling together since, since 2011, actually every year for Thanksgiving. That was like our thing. And then I was like, you know what? Like pe- people had asked us several times, like, you know, we want to come with you, blah, blah, blah. And it was a group of five of us. And we were really, really tight. And we were like, nah, we don't want to, we don't want to bring anybody else in. We want to have the same core group of five. But then we were like, you know what? Why don't we just plan the trips that we like to plan and just charge people whatever amount to come with us? So we did that. You know, it kind of just took off from the very first trip that we had. It was a success. And every other trip since then has been a success and we've been continually building. And, uh, you know, my, myself and my other two partners, we're all engineers. So I feel like the area that we're lacking in, in terms of growth of the company is just, you know, marketing and business because we're all engineers. Like we don't even really think like, I guess your, your, your typical entrepreneur or business person might think we just do the things that we think are cool and people follow us. So that's kind of great that we've been able to, to build a following with our limited knowledge of how things are supposed to work. I mean, I look at, I look at other people that really have a, a very serious command on, you know, social media, business, marketing, et cetera. And they're able to make something out of nothing. And I spoke to actually Phil, Phil Walkie. He's another popular social media, um, influencer. Big ups to him. We just had Phil. Did you? You had Phil on there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we had him on the Black Men Travel. Yeah. yeah, We had him take over our Instagram. And I, when I spoke to him, he's like, man, you guys got some really good content. Like, why don't you have, why don't you have a lot of followers? Like, you guys need to have way more followers in this because you guys are doing, you know, X, Y, and Z, boom, boom, boom. And I'm just like, dude, I don't, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing in those terms. So, I mean, we have a lot of, we got a lot of room to grow, but all I can say is our mission was basically to get more black people traveling around the world because the world is just so much bigger than the U.S. Like oftentimes as Americans, we think that we're the center of the universe. And once you go to a place where they don't speak your language, you realize how insignificant you are in the world. Like nobody cares. And when I went to South America in Brazil, they don't speak English and nobody cares to speak English. And it's just baffling to me because I'm like, wow, like how do you not speak English? But that just shows you how insignificant you really are in the world. So I try to let people know in the state, I let my friends know and my clientele, like, listen, you got to get around and see some other places and you'll see how, you know, no matter how big you think your problems are, somebody else has bigger problems. But guess what? Like they're getting through it and you can, you can experience life and experience these different cultures and learn so much stuff that will make you a better person overall when you travel and when you come back to the States and you kind of realize like, you know, we should be much, much further than we are in the U.S., you know? So, I mean, that's basically the aim of urban travel, which is just get more, more people of color traveling, but it's, it's not limited to people of color. Of course, we've had pretty much every trip that we posted, we've had, you know, somebody other than a black person there. We've had, you know, Mexicans there. We've had white people there. We've had Spanish people there. And, you know, we, we, we open our, we open our arms to anybody who wants to come travel and just have a good time. But yes, our focus is trying to get more people of color outside of the states to be able to experience what life you know, really is and just get a a more worldly view on everything that is available to us. 
to our disposal. That's beautiful, Drew. It really is because I think the more people see it, the more uh, they're going to be tempted to ex- have these experiences. And it's just because we don't see it enough. Yeah. Uh, but with social media, it's really coming out there. And even you say you have limited knowledge, but I think, you know, when you have uh, a vision and a passion for something and you just want to get it out there, uh, I think this is a great example just to get it out there because had you thought about it or ruminated with it and just didn't do it, you wouldn't be impacting the people that you're impacting now. So this is just great uh, message to everyone who wants to start something is to think less, do more, and just figure it out along the way. Yep, yep. Yeah, we need to take that damn advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do sometimes. We take our own advice. We overthink it we all the time. Yeah. All the time. But it's all right. So, Drew, mm-hmm. as we start wrapping it up, what are some important travel tips or hacks that a new traveler can consider well, if they want to live that job I would say, life? man, I don't, I don't even have any travel hacks. When you say travel hacks, I instantly think of my friend Rachel. And I, I know I'm name dropping a lot, but I'm also trying to give them shout outs too because they're cool people. Are we talking but about Rachel my friend, Travels? Yes, that's who we're talking about. <laughs> we had oh, her yeah, on Rachel. season two. Jeez Louise. See, y'all, see, y'all, y'all know everybody um so i think about her because she actually has travel hacks i personally don't have travel hacks i just know that like for example when it comes to booking flights i typically try to book flights on a tuesday or a wednesday because those are the days that you get the best fares i don't know why whatever whatever's in their algorithm tuesdays and wednesdays are when prices drop if you try to book a flight on friday it's whatever, but I know for sure on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, it goes down. Um, so that's, that's my one travel hack, kind of. Also, when I book flights, I'll try to, I'll never book a business class flight outright, but when I get to the airport, I'll always smile and ask for a business class upgrade if there's available, yes. something available. Cause you yes, never know. That's a you never know. That's good a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Cause that's how I do it. Ask at the yeah. gate. I mean, not at the ask, gate. Yeah. Ask at, at the, the counter. counter. Yeah. Ticket counter. Yeah. And so I, I would ask, what else? Let's see. Any other travel hacks? I don't know. I don't, and nothing else is really a hack. It's pretty much just personality, I would say. Like I just, I just go with my strong suit, which is, you know, smile and be friendly. And that works if, if it's possible. Okay. I, I, I learned a lot I'm, today, did you? <laughs> We have to do a part two of this. I'm not done talking. Like, I feel like y'all, y'all, rap, y'all wrapping me up. Y'all wrapping me up like the sand, Sandman on Apollo. And I just feel like I got more to say. Like, give me a platform. I'm crazy. I love it. If we oh, didn't have, we have other interviews <laughs> lined up oh today. Oh my God. That's so funny. We would talk to you. I promise you. Oh, wow. Oh my geez. You gotta, you gotta get all of us on the, you gotta get all of us on the podcast together so we can crack jokes. Like that. And and talk about that's a great idea actually. If we could get everybody locked down, because you know, like a Zoom. Rachel's in Africa, we're in Asia, you're in coast, you're in Central America, and Brian's in America. Yeah, so that's, that's all a good idea. different time zones. Uh, yeah. Well, ladies, make it happen. You know, we we gotta we gotta do what we can to put on for the black community, and I think they would thoroughly enjoy having well-versed travelers talk about experiences, talk about life. I mean, I I know Rachel is funny because I've had conversations with her, you know, numerous times, and Brian as well. I, I know Phil is funny. You get all of us on the same line talking about travel stuff. It's going to it's gonna go viral. So I'm just saying, you can thank me later. There's no way in hell we get in Phil on the show. We're trying to get him <laughs> right on the now. show for a minute. He is so busy He's with the so new busy. travel oh, yeah. show. 
Th- yeah. He is like hard to like get down. All right, we go. We are. Right, all over we the place right now. Phil. We gonna shout out Phil. We skipping you though, brother. We skipping you. You ain't getting on this one. <laughs> on the next one. By the time Phil got his show going, he'll yeah, have a little rhythm. bit more time. Yeah, so rhythm you going. know, congratulations to you, Phil. Absolutely. Yeah, have 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 Urban Travel do a special on the show. No, I love that idea. I think we both love that idea. Was, I was just about to ask Christian. <laughs> she was still wiping her eyes. That's hilarious. Tell me something oh, good. Oh. What else do we got? Yeah. What else? Oh, what so else? So right now, so you're in Costa Rica. I am. How long do you plan on staying in Costa Rica? Like, what's next for you? Um, I don't really know what's left. The way my life is set up, I, I never really know what's next. I'll be in Costa Rica for, you know, maybe maybe a year or two more. And then I'll be off to somewhere else, hopefully still overseas. Or perhaps I could be back in U.S. of A. I don't, I don't really know. I just kind of live my life, like, you know, one day at a time and enjoy like I, I have no idea i have no idea what's next i love that i think a lot of travelers and those who live abroad they just kind of go with the flow and i think there's value in that yeah well, come visit me in europe come vi- in europe. visit where in europe where in europe i'll be in costa rica this year too well give me a holler bye you gonna go to costa rica or haiti which one both where so where in where in Europe are you where in Europe are you gonna be? Uh everywhere. Starting oh matter of fact, I wanna to talk to you a little bit more, but I can't do it right now about Istanbul. Oh, awesome. I seen place, your blog. Awesome place. We gotta I talk know. offline about that. Yeah, let's definitely talk offline because I'll be there for about a month. Oh, you're gonna love it. It's awesome. So Drew, tell everybody where they can find you, uh share your social handles. Okay. So on Instagram I am Jet Set Drew. Uh, I have a website, www.jetsetdrew.com, which I need to actually update that. But more importantly, my website, Urban Travel, www.urbntrvl.com. We plan dope trips all around the world. If you haven't been on one of ours, ask somebody. All of them are awesome. You're going to have an awesome time. And check us out, you know? I'm through. That's awesome. what's up. Thank you, Drew, for being on the show. We had a blast and we learned a lot. Yes. My pleasure, ladies. <laughs> and we're going to get all of y'all on a heavy hitters series. Series, Like, yes. let's heavy have that hitters. combo. Heavy hitters. Let's do this. Hitters, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.